This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. My name is Leiti Su. I'm a connector, a storyteller, world's waiting for an Asian woman, millennial Bourdain Oprah. I'm a co-founder of Journey, a personalized travel planning service, and I also have a food media company called Word of Mouth. What I love about travel is that it allows you to stay bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It allows you to stay open-minded, to be the best version of yourself, which is the dumbest person in the room, so that you're not showing up somewhere just like, I already know everything, whatever, this is my routine, strangers don't talk to me, I need to get along in my work day, and just, just, just nobody stimulate me differently, right? Like, travel is a thing that allows us to be like, wow, whoa, whoa, and that's the childlike version of myself that I want to be all the time. So I wish upon everybody to hold on to that travel spirit, even when you're not coming off of a jet plane, like do the travel thing when you're in your home space, in your neighborhood, when you're just going about your everyday routine. Because when, when we lose that is when we start just like really dying a little bit inside. You're listening to Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the travel and hospitality industry. Welcome to the show, lady. I'm super happy to have you on Travel Is Your Business. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm satiated. from lunch and this has been a holiday week so we're coming off of the holiday weekend so it's felt like a short long week so short in terms of days but just a lot has happened and a lot to process i i feel you on that it's been like you know i was even gone on tuesday too so i like had just like a three-day sprint but at least we have to you know we have a nice uh chance to just sit down and have a conversation today absolutely i've been looking forward to this (laughs) uh hey bess how are you today so excited to be here and to learn more about Journey. Yeah, let's do it. I So, Lady, you know a lot about um, uh, authentic experiences. Like, of, of people I know, you know a lot about this topic from experience with town and country and and with, uh, with Forbes, but of course with Journey. So um, there's no shortage of topics out in the travel space about how to turn – how to, how to um, uh, make these authentic experiences – out to the masses, right? And bring them online in, in a more meaningful capacity in this mm-hmm. fragmented industry. What are the ways that you think um, that a, a company could do that in, without um, de- minimizing or degrading the quality of those experiences? You just like stab me in the heart. Bam, hard-hitting yeah. question. So <laughs> what I ponder all the time is can you scale cool? Mm, and cool question. is like a funny word. I don't mean cool like, oh my God, I'm an insider or like anything like, you know, red red velvet rope into a club. I mean cool in terms of surprise and delight and something that makes you feel special, like you're really living life. And what's funny is travelers today, they like we've all heard this, like we're at a happy hour, we're around the water cooler, we're catching up and people want to know, people want to hear about or share those experiences where you're going down this dark alleyway to a speakeasy where it's only like 
three seats in total. And then the local bartender who you happen to meet is shaking something up that has like a house made this and a, and I fermented this by myself and this is rare and this is one and only. And only and in you're my spare time, it. I'm a Michelin grade sushi chef. Right. And right. like, yeah. All, all <laughs> like, you you want to have that story. That's going to yeah. be the thing that made it so you feel like you won your trip. And what's funny is for things to be like that, they're inherently unscalable, like a bar with three seats or something that's impossible to find on Google Maps. That's not the stuff that's on the first you know, 10 spots on TripAdvisor. So inherently, cool is scalable to a certain extent. And of course, cool is lucrative, but it's unscalable. And then, of course, travelers today are so demanding in that they want what's cool, but they also want it for a good price. They're very savvy buyers and yeah. customers. And they want it to be consistent. They want the cool to just kind of, the magic to happen, like come to them in a box. So what we've figured out at Journey is one major driver of cool that could be scalable is personalization. So true personalization, not just curation, because curation, that's like, you know, Beyonce saying, ah, I like this, and it's um, some Instagram influencer saying, buy this. But true personalization is much harder to achieve. It takes curation, and it actually personalizes it to you because it's your money and your time that you're spending while on a trip or having an experience. And that is what I believe the thing that makes cool truly scalable because not everything is right for everybody. Okay, So how we do this is that our tech enables humans to be better at humaning. And so that means that our trip designers, they spend the majority of their time, 80 plus percent of their time on actually taking care of you. And then the 20 percent, yeah, sure, they, you know, we still got to like do the, the stuff. But the 80 percent, the majority of the time of the humans that you're working with, the journey service is human powered and then further tech enabled, humans spend most of their time actually being hospitable. That there's, nothing's ever going to replace hospitality and service. Whereas in a traditional travel agency model, humans are doing, still doing things that humans don't need to do anymore, stuff that a, a machine or technology can do better. And we are comfortable we're comfortable with owning up to that and we'd like to free human time up to actually take care of our travelers. Yeah, I, I love that question of can you scale cool? And I think it's it's really interesting of can technology help find cool or does technology ruin cool? Mm. Um, and what are your thoughts on that topic? That's a, that's a very, that's exactly the thing. Like, so... How do we combine the scalable and the unscalable? Maybe I could tell you a little bit about how my co-founder, our CEO, Susan, and I work together. Yeah. I believe we're the yin and the yang of, not to be like, she's Asian too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, our co-founder team, Susan and I, met each other 12 years ago while dancing on speakers in Shanghai. So we met while traveling. 
we're a little bit competitive. She's on the left speaker. I'm on the right speaker. I'm like, who that? Who that bitch? Who that bitch? So we jump down. We shake hands. Like we, you know, we. She shows me Taiwanese food late night, two a.m. in Shanghai. So I'm really impressed with her. So we're like food and travel buddies for for life for a long time, and then later on in the company's life, Steph joins us from from IBM, and so it's the three of us getting shit done, and how we're able to to do it in a way where we utilize our very very different talents. Like we're as different as can be. Susan is, she's the scalable, and I'm the unscalable. Which means I probably get to have a tad bit more fun, <laughs> which is something we're working through. Um, but you know, I think for me, as I'm, I'm the connector, I'm the storyteller. She's the CEO. She's making sure things are structured, things are measurable. She works with our tech team. We've been able to build so much without even like a full time engineer. Like we've planned trips for fifteen thousand travelers since we've launched in 2016. So with that. How how we have been able to scale cool and really take care of people's honeymoons, their anniversaries, their first solo trips somewhere. We've been able to plan trips because we combine the unscalable and the scalable. We combine the human and the tech. And I think how you do it is by allowing the humans to do what humans do best. Nothing's ever going to replace the fact that. Our team and I are connected to the world's best chefs, the unlikeliest experts. I mean, just yesterday I grabbed the card of the person who knows the best barbecue spots in every state in the USA, right? Like really specific stuff, and also some usual suspects, like people you would have seen on Netflix Chef's Table, Enrique Olvera, Massimo Batura, Dominique Crent, like chefs that we admire and we adore. And so, with these experts, these chefs, these tastemakers, we tell stories about them, and we collaborate with them in different ways. We shout out what they're doing. We are running a travel magazine that comes alive. That travel magazine is not just written stuff, but it's it's video. It's it's on social. It's it's really textual, like. I'm telling the stories I, I wanted to tell, right? Because content ain't scalable in today's world. Unless you're doing other things with it, so we do our storytelling, we do our connecting, we build our community globally, and then our product, our tech team, they take those stories, those recommendations, those tips, that magic, and then they're able to put it into people's actual trips, and that means our trip designers spend eighty percent of their time taking care of you. Doing things only a human can do. Like, let's say you're gonna propose to your person, and you're in Paris, and you're not trying to go to a typical restaurant. Maybe you want to do a stroll, and then you want to randomly walk by a world class wine bar or wine shop and pick up a bottle, just casual, and then walk over to the Seine. And you want it to all seem really effortless, like you're wandering, but you're wandering having that local know how. And then the whole thing feels so serendipitous, and you can feel at ease, right? Even though you're like sweating, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so that's what only a human can understand. Because it's not like we're going to immediately build a robot who can plan your honeymoon that you're who you're going to trust. So our humans do the human thing, which is essentially 
great service, reliable. It's hospitality. It's knowing what you like before you even know you like it and you say you like this. And then the last 20%, the... I mean, so you spend 80% of your time being human, last 20% still doing some things that are kind of rote. And then versus like a traditional travel agent who spends 80% of their time doing stuff that like you're pasting the same stuff, you're doing the same kind of like the same stuff that a machine can do better, right? So we're flipping Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, rule. I can give you a, a bit of a testimonial in a way because last year i i, I uh, purchased a journey for my um like a journey itinerary mm-hmm. for my trip to paris oh wow and uh, yeah I'm, I'm a customer and so i had a great time mystery shopping <laughs> <laughs> uh but the the real testament uh to how this performs because i think a lot of people want to disprove a service like this right mm. and in, no one more so than a local in that town so yeah. i got together with somebody um, that is from Paris and lives there and has lived there their whole life mostly. And I showed them the itinerary that you that your service had, had um, built for me for the next day. And I said, this day will be a journey day. And I had just one day that I was going to test out because everything else my, my girlfriend had planned out very much meticulously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, I showed it to her and I said, uh, give me out of, out of like 10 – how how local does this feel? And she said, out of this, this is like 80% all amazing stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have known about unless I told you about it. So they're doing a good job. So that local who get, who later also gave a bunch of recommendations for other days um, had said like, yeah, it's really cool because they thought out like where you'd have to go in Paris to be at those things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, just more practically, I knew that we were going to be starting – it's been a, it's been over a year, so I don't remember all the all the like um, neighborhoods and everything. But where we had to start from the beginning, down by this barge, and then like go up to the the other like historic sites. Um, uh, so it literally was perfectly guided through breakfast all the way to dinner. Um, so kudos! And in that, I have a question out of this, which is, <laughs> um, which is um, the the recommendations that you have in this system um since they're so nuanced Mm -hmm. how how are you gaining these chefs to uh to to make the recommendations to uh, because it's not activated through tours it's not activated through transactions it's Mm -hmm. activated through um the itinerary right and the activities the places to go so how is it that you're finding these local influencers who are inevitably giving you the great content that that you're able to service to the client we have we do have great goodwill and hmm. is goodwill I'm, scalable <laughs> is goodwill scalable it is when you're an organization who's doing good in the world and whose vision is aligned with the vision of people who care about people having the most awesome, delightful, delicious experiences in a place. Because what we do is help people go beyond the first couple of pages of Google search results, help travelers go beyond the top 10 on TripAdvisor. And ultimately, these places are are small businesses. Yeah. If they, they might be mom and pops. They might be kind of the 
millennial equivalent of a mom and pop, which is maybe like a 29-year-old chef who just left working at this like whatever two michelin starred restaurant for some big celebrity chef and has broken out on his or her own to do his or her first ever restaurant venture as the head chef and owner or partner so there are people who are putting a lot on the line around the world to create experiences that are un- ultimately deeply special and unscalable and we don't have to be involved in all of that. We just have to direct people to those um, those discoveries and also manage expectations around that, right? Like for people, someone to go to a bar that's a natural wine bar in Tokyo and it's got only like a standing bar uh, counter and it's like literally fits like six people comfortably, but sometimes a whole lot of industry locals like – show up there and they're just we're just standing around it's just like wine slashing everywhere and right so that is perfect for like you know a a a couple in in their 20s on their 20s or 30s on their honeymoon but it might not be good if you're on a multi-generational family trip and somebody has limited um limited mobility and isn't trying to stand up for like for more more than you know a certain amount of time right so managing expectations and making sure that people show up knowing what they're getting into like a dark alleyway feeling safe feeling empowered feeling brave and then also feeling comfortable and being prepared to have a great time Given that, I I love that point about putting yourselves in the shoes of different travelers because I think, especially in the startup world, people design for themselves a Mm -hmm. lot, right? So do you guys have a target customer that you're starting with and then hoping to scale to other generations or um, different groups? Or are you for all? Two-pronged answer. Big picture, because we are personalized, we are for all, no matter your budget, your preferences. If it's work or leisure or beleisure, if you're old or young, if you're spending a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money, or you're on a budget, we really take care of you. And we're 25 or $50 a day of your trip, so it's, it's not crazy. It's super simple, transparent pricing, very much accessible. That's important to us. With that said, we know our customer very well. The data that we now have about our current customer and our potential customer, also our customers who most value our service, it is, we have a great deal of clarity around that. And especially after having taken care of 15,000 travelers. So some really interesting segments uh, and areas where you're going to get a lot of use out of the journey service. One is multi-generational and family travel. So we have this baby boomer traveler who's now got some time, got some money, has kids and kids-in-law and maybe grandkids. And there's a trip that gets really complicated because everyone's got all these different needs and wants and it's a big deal because everyone's taking time out of lives to land somewhere. And again, it's like travel, having to plan travel, but plus like fam- family, which can be the people you love the most, but who are the most annoying. That's hard. So we take great care of our multi-generational trips. A lot of needs there. 
nobody taking care of these these folks. Another segment, people with with um, dietary restrictions and other limitations. You're going to Japan and you hate sushi yeah. or you're allergic to gluten and there's soy sauce and everything. You're going to Spain and you don't eat pork. So we figure that stuff out for you. We've even planned a trip for somebody wheelchair bound and is is exploring Rome. Wow. Which is a tough city yeah. to be in a wheelchair. And then finally, this is less of a customer segment, but more of an interesting area of the world where we see that it is nearly impossible for you to plan a trip amazingly without spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours figuring it out and calling restaurants in the middle of the night in New York time is Japan. Our biggest requested country is Japan. Japan, language and cultural barriers, really rough and... We take that off your hands. Interesting. Let's dig into that a little bit more. But first, um, you have a snack for us. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? I do. I just went to this restaurant called Kawi. And people talk about what's your favorite restaurant? What's the best restaurant? What's a good restaurant? And I'll find all of these like superlatives to be really boring and irrelevant and kind of so what because if you wanted good food you just i don't know cook up some bacon or make avocado toast at home like i just just yeah it's not about whether something's the best or something's good right like we have so much option here in new york city and when we travel we have even more options so what i'm obsessed with is restaurants that are a combo of these two things delicious like effing yummy like (laughs) makes your heart sing like makes your soul salivate or important like a restaurant that's doing something making some kind of statement the team has a story behind it the chef's got a got a story really what's the so what what's the story so there's a restaurant called Hakawi. it's in the brand new hudson yards people say it's a billionaire's playground i say it's a mall (laughs) (laughs) so when i walk in there i feel really comfortable that's because i'm a little southern california suburban asian kid so it's like i went into my childhood mall of my dreams upgraded although makes me really uncomfortable because it's like i'm you know reversing back to my like former self (laughs) not as cool as who i am right now Okay, so go into this mall, Kaui. It's a Momofuku restaurant. So that means David Chang's behind it. But what's really interesting about this spot is that David Chang has empowered Yoonjo Park, a Korean woman chef, to run the whole show. So that means the food that you're getting here is going to be soulful. It's going to be yummy, saucy, stewy, yet refined and nuanced, as if the Korean woman grandmother you never had has personally cooked up for you Michelin-level, award-winning kind of super complex food that is taking the absolutely quotidian and comfortable and then just up-leveling it, like, you know, video game style. (laughs) (laughs) Life is just a video game. So this all seems real. (laughs) It's not. So let me show you what I brought. Um, All right, all right. So... I, uh, so what it is, is it is, it is, 
It is a rice cake. It smells good, I can tell you that much. Yeah. It is a rice cake. It is slightly spicy. It's chewy. It's QQ. Oh they have they have a rice extruder that they make the rice cake in-house and it's fresh and it's wow. springy on the teeth and it's in a coil form and then they pan fry it to make the outside really crispy so you get that mix of the tender inside and then the outside and it's got like gochujang sauce on it it's slightly sweet it's spicy it's got sesame seeds and then the restaurant is called kawi because it's named after scissors so kawi means scissors in korean the menu everything is rock paper scissors that's kind of like a playful theme like a very awesome. going back to home childlike theme on korean food and so they bring it out they give you these big gold scissors and you get to cut into it yourself and did you bring just, the gold scissors because i don't see them um, they wouldn't let me have one i told them i would bring it back the next Day. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with this food. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> what does QQ mean? Oh, you just use that as an adjective. Thank you so much for asking about... Okay, so <laughs> QQ is a Taiwanese term. Okay. And I grew up with this. My mom saying things were QQ. And you know how bubbles and the bubble tea, like the boba, and then things that have that like that springiness, that al dente, but a little softer than al dente. It's a texture that Taiwanese and other Asian people love. And in fact, the New York Times just wrote a whole article about QQ. It's literally spelled Q and Q, cool. like the letters. So that means out. the texture of QQ is a legitimate texture because the New York Times wrote an article about <laughs> it's it. It's kind of onomatopoeia a little bit, right? Absolutely. Or what, it's not, I, I don't know if onomatopoeia is the right word. It's like not synesthesia. It's the thing when something sounds... Like or what it lore is. looks like it tastes. Or... It's, onomatopoeia is when a word sounds like what the thing is. A, so a word is of a Q-Q sound. So is, is onomatopoeia. Yeah, it's like QQ. When you bite into it, you imagine your teeth and the food making a QQ, cool. QQ sound. <laughs> so I got to tell you. I'm going to use that. I got a chance. I'm going to start using the word onomatopoeia. <laughs> I love onomatopoeias. You're making my heart sing. Are you an English major? Yes. Oh, okay, I get along well with English majors. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a words person. Okay, me too. So... <laughs> QQ, we actually have an article up on Journey, G-O-J-O-U-R-N-Y.com, about this texture because the New York Times did do a, an article about it, but it was it was uh, more cursory. And then we were able to dive in deeper because in one of our partnerships with the Tourism Board, and in this case, the Taiwan Tourism Board, we got a chance to invite influencers and Andrew Zimmern to Taiwan to do a whole campaign retelling the Taiwan story. And Taiwan is great for its food. And one of the pieces that came out of this Taiwan was a deeper dive into QQ, where we actually walk you through the different foods that have QQ as a characteristic. So I'll send you that article because Thank you. I would love to put you on a QQ <laughs> journey. <laughs> Can we dig into this? Because I'm like famished and it looks delicious. <laughs> it's so- Let's do it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Funny People Talking. And the other host is... Danielle Beckman, that's me. That That's the other host. And our producer is Elsie. Say hi, Elsie. Hi. Okay, so you know how I know something's funny? When people laugh. <laughs> Every time they laugh, you know it's funny. 
So that's the key to knowing when funny people are talking because when you say something funny, <laughs> people laugh. And you know what? On the show, funny people talking, people laugh. <laughs> Apparently more to me, Danielle, but you're still very funny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Check out Funny People Talking. It's a podcast on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. And it comes out every Monday. I think you'll enjoy it. Me too. Yeah. You know what happens when you enjoy it? You laugh. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at travelisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Oh my God, this is so good. This is really good. <laughs> I needed this. At me chewing, does it sound like I'm saying QQ? QQ. I just said QQ for anybody. Now you can just run curious. around. The next time you run into a Taiwanese. Anyway, so <laughs> I love texture. I love fragrance. Yeah. Really, like the reason why Journey exists is because I love food and I love the people who make food. And they mm. love me back. <laughs> Let's talk about that. How did how did Journey <laughs> first suggest? I mean, we, we talked about you and Susan yeah. meeting. Where did the inspiration for this product come from? <sighs> so, product service. Been friends for over twelve years now. Right, she used to like come into New York from college. She's a few years uh, younger than me. She'd crash on my couch. We'd like go off into New York City together. Anyway, so story story is really also Susan and me coming together. Susan had she is a she's a beast of a builder and a scaler. She helped to scale fab.com, digital ocean, blue apron, learn best working with the founders at fab.com. She ran that team of 120 operations and customer service folks across sitting across New York and, and Berlin. And so she was working insane hours, running a, a big startup and her friend who's a banker, the two of them go to Argentina, go to Buenos Aires on a vacation. You know, her boss said, if you don't take a vacation, I'll fire you. Like basically like a much needed <laughs> vacation. So how can you take a vacation when you're running things? Right. You don't have time to go on the vacation, let alone plan your trip. So she and her friend were in Buenos Aires. They spent every morning a couple hours trying to look stuff up, as we do. We've all been there. And they ended up at a what was supposed to be an authentic Argentine steakhouse surrounded by American tourists. They ended up at not one, not two, but three nightclubs surrounded by teenage boys. And it's not exactly, you know sexy vibes right <laughs> so it wasn't the cool time that they had wanted for their one time to have a vacation and then that was when the idea was planted like why is travel still so hard and then years later she when she was ready to start the company she said to me Leti, you know you've been doing your thing just going around the world telling stories writing being a journalist a show host advising Big brands and startups, um, you know, that's how I made a living, made a really good living. And 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 I did do my my journalism thing. I write um, 
I that's who I am. I'm a words person. I care deeply about not just eating the food, but believe it or not, I probably care more about the food, the people behind the food and the experiences. So made a lot of friends around the world was like, how do I make this sustainable? How do I make it so that all of these amazing experiences I'm having as press, as somebody who's a peer and a colleague of chefs, etc., how do I make it so these experiences everyone gets to have? Because there's no reason why not. It's just, right, like, and so we came together, we started Journey. I had come from years of doing 20 different things. I graduated during the recession. I started out as an investment banking intern. I was on the team that helped sell Dow Jones to Rupert Murdoch. That meant that as a a kid who was editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper, I saw the beginning of the end of media as we know it. And then I went on to work at Gourmet Magazine, and I saw that that fold. McKinsey told it Condé folded? Nass, Gourmet. I didn't know that. <gasps> yeah. I'm really behind Bible. the times on media. Bible of, of culinary magazines <laughs> wow. folded. Wow. And so fast forward to now – the last decade has been me questioning who who am I? Like how am I as this super connector of people who know stuff and people doing what's delicious? How do I even make a living? Honestly, you know, cause I have to pay the bills. I'm like a normal human and there's no place for me. I don't fit in anywhere. So I had to create a company in order to fit in anywhere. Interesting. Is, is that like a big I mean, coming from the media background mm-hmm. and, and getting into more like applied, like tourism space, right? Yeah. Is it, is there a big mindset shift? I mean, even with, even with now, you know, running the company, yeah. you and Susan's dynamic, how does that all, how is the, what's the cultural shift for you? For, oh, so for me, like past life and then now. Mm-hmm. So on the, on the, on the, you know, the question of like the, how do you make money and and wh- where do we sit in the world of of business today? Journey has begun to be, like surprisingly, a bit of a media company and an agency because we not only tell the stories, we do really great customer acquisition because we know how to. And we do it with great, great amount of heart and a lot of trust that we, we get from the storytelling we do and from the trips we plan. So that means that tourism boards and brands are now coming to us to do their marketing campaigns. We're like an advertising agency, a creative agency, an influencer agency. We're, we're able to do that video content. We're able to to tell stories in an engaging way and then actually action on that. Interesting. Empower so- you to have that experience, to go on that mm-hmm. trip, to do that spend. So the DMO is outsourcing um uh some of their marketing which is what a dmo does but they're they're mm-hmm. outsourcing to you as an agency so you have a service side of your business where you're servicing dmos and then making recommendations that they couldn't necessarily recommend cuz they're not certified or what is the what's the compelling thing for them to have you as a marketing agency because of the stories and the narrative we do a similar thing to what a marketing agency would do which is to create content distributed to millions, make sure it's to the right audience, 
And then further, we're able to actually plan the trips and make sure that when someone goes to Austria, to Taiwan, to Greece, that they're being taken care of. So somebody might go to Taiwan and only think of street food, but what not everyone knows is Taiwan also has incredible world-class, now Michelin starred, Michelin just landed there in March of 2018, fine dining. And so when people go to Taiwan, we make sure that they have have all of the experiences that would, would suit their budget and their preferences. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a lot more impactful than, say, a Subway ad. So, it, <laughs> right? It makes thank, sense. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then even more interestingly is, like, we got inbound from the likes of Abercrombie and Fitch to do their influencer marketing campaigns. Because when you send influencers around the world to create content and to to, to have experiences, we take care of that. And then we also do do the content creation aspect and we also distribute that content, right? Because we've had to do it for ourselves. As you know, building a B2C travel startup is nearly impossible. I'm sitting here right now coming to you from, from death and back. <laughs> many, many deaths we've lived through yeah. as journey. And we've learned so much and we know how to reach travelers. We know how to reach travelers, say, hey, you can trust us because you can. And then we know how to get travelers to actually trust a startup to plan your trip. I mean, we have figured out some things. And and also, it's been really, really dark at times. So we want to share that with brands and tourism boards and like-minded people and companies. One more really fun example that's really unexpected. I think what's fun to be us and to be in travel is travel is so much more of like, a thing that has to do with your identity, like my identity. And travel then goes across industries like financial services, like fashion and beauty. And there's so many industries that we've start, we're starting to work with. One really unexpected brand we've worked with is 23andMe. So 23andMe is a genetics testing company. You can find out where you're from. People are really interested in that these days. Who am I, really? And they came to us because they were doing a campaign where they gave away 23 testing kits. And if you found out, John Matson, I am from, wow, I didn't know I'm from Austria. Fancy that. <laughs> then you'd want to maybe go to Austria. Find out whether whether you, you have a connection with where you're from a little I bit, you know, discover yourself. So we ended up planning the trips for the winners. And then, of course, there's so many extensions around that, right? Whether it's a DNA testing kit or a pair of shoes or something else that empowers you to go about your world better, telecom even. We're talking to telecom companies. We can put Journey with something like a DNA testing kit, and that becomes the ultimate Christmas present for the person who has it all. Yeah, you could you could scale that part pretty. I mean, yeah. that's so emotional. That's uh, it's definitely scalable through their customer base. Yeah, I love. I I, I know B two C travel is hard, but I think it does force you to get really creative about customer acquisition mm-hmm. and customer retention. And that twenty three and Me idea is is right down that alley, and it's it's those sort of things that do move the industry forward. Yeah, we're doing um, travel custom travel guides for fashion companies. So 
guides that are actionable so people get intrigued and they want to buy the beach outfit, get the Instagram shots and have the Instagram experience. Yeah. We sort that. Cool. So it's a marketing campaign come alive. Cool. Well, I'd love to uh, take a quick break and so we can get back and get to know you a little bit more lately. Um, let's do that. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. Lady, I'd like to know a little bit more about you because we talked a lot about your professional career mm. um, and, Me. of course, about what Journey's doing. <laughs> um, um, and, you know, you've traveled a lot. Um, you've seen a lot of different places. And, um, you know, I'd be curious. I think there's a place that somebody goes um, that feels similar to where they're from, but in maybe a very different way. So what to you is your home away from home and and why? My home away from home is it's got to be somewhere that has high low. I'm one of those folks. I, I have fancy tastes, but I also have like noodle soup tastes. And I believe that. San Sebastian, Basque Country, is uh, yes. the Taiwan of Europe, right? Wow. It's got, it's got the high, it's got the low, it's got the casual. Casual is a weird word. I don't need to be so casual. I mean, look at me. I'm wearing a dress. Casual is a weird word, but just you can do whatever. You can. There's a beach. It's gorgeous. It's, it's like paradise with really good food. <laughs> You've got pincho bars. You can bar hop. They pour chocolate, the super saline, very alive, slightly fizzy wine that's local. They pour it from on high, so you get the the beautiful like stream to aerate it. They might pour it from a poron. A poron is a vessel, a Spanish vessel where you can pour the wine directly into your mouth. You've seen this before. Look it up on Google. P O R O N. Poron. Bar snacks galore. You got more Michelin stars per capita than I think anywhere in the world. Maybe close to like Paris or like Tokyo. But I mean, definitely per capita more than anywhere because these other cities have way more people. So this is like culinary and beach destination. You know, even the 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 kids of the vacationers who come from Europe look cuter in this environment. Everything is just like perfect. Yeah. So I'm one of those where it's like one of my team members just told me she's going on a library crawl of New York City. She was saying how we as founders care about food and drink so much. So we're 
we do plan everything, but you might think we only do food and drink because we just talk about food and drink and eat food and drink all the time. So she's like, I'm going on a library call this weekend and I'm going to write about it. And I was like, all right, all right. Find out what are the secret corners? What are the collections? Where, what should we not miss at this library? Find out the secrets, but also what should we order at the cafe? <laughs> so that's me. Awesome. What are we eating? Yeah. Um, and on that note, <laughs> it kind of leads up well to my question because it's very clear throughout this interview that you're a major foodie. What is your favorite dish? Uh, <laughs> after I talked about favorite and best and good, you're really going to do that to me? <laughs> okay. The most delicious That's favorite dish. place. This well, I is want, favorite dish. I want to tell you my favorite dish that is a dish that has forced me to be a better version of myself. Some years ago, my mother was diagnosed with stage four non-smoking lung cancer. A few weeks before we found out about this diagnosis, I had written down in a Google Doc, as you do with all good ideas that have no immediate plan for action, a restaurant that I totally don't really want to have because restaurants are hard things to have. You know, they're a kind of a nonprofit uh, venture. Um a restaurant that would be a hole-in-the-wall Taiwanese beef noodle soup spot. And it would be high-low in that you could also get Taiwanese fried chicken and get caviar bumps that you'd, you'd scoop into that bite, that hole made by the bite into the steaming hot crispy fried chicken, really moist inside. Wow. And then <laughs> the drinks would be like the finest champagne and burgundy, but also natural wines and really approachable stuff and just like really freaking inexpensive stuff. So it'd be this like high, low, weirdo, like hole in the wall that like makes no sense. But that's why it's delightful because it's so deeply unscalable and just completely special. So over the years to lock back into who I am, to kind of know that I'm able to bring people together and do my magic, which is connecting people I would cook Taiwanese beef noodle soup. So I do a pop-up called hashtag Soup. My last name, H-S-U-S-O-U-P. I've done it for now, like, for almost five years. And it's just a thing that I do. And it's a thing I do very grassroots. So as I'm building companies from scratch and as times have been hard and I've had no spare money, energy, heart space, mind space to do things, um, I've continued to do things from scratch and grassroots, but also learn how to be way more intentional about stuff, be the CEO of my, my, my own life and my own time. And so every time I do this, this pop-up, it kicks me in the ass because it's not like this, it's not like a company, it's not anything, it's just for fun. Uh, but I learn something about myself every time. That's awesome. If that makes when, sense. Where do you do it? Do you do it in New York? All over. I've done it in upstate New York. I do it in New York. I've done one in LA for uh, the Sprout restaurant group. Like I went to their HQ. I had this like hot pot of lo like large pot of soup between like on the floor of the car, like hoping it won't splash out as I like drive down the like four or five freeway. I've <laughs> done it in uh, Tuscany with fellow olive pickers. Uh, we were staying at a chef's place and I wanted them to have it. So I like just smuggled a a stick of ginger into my luggage because I realized that ginger is not available in the markets of Tuscany. Hmm. And <laughs> so I've done it all over the world. That's awesome. And it's a noodle soup I love. And noodle soup is my meditation. Mm. So I would love to invite you all to come to the next one. Amen. Lady, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Really loved speaking with you. 
Is there a final thought that you want to share with somebody listening? It could be a reflection on what we've talked about today. It could be um, just your experiences overall. I want to be very clear and open with with you guys about AI and automation and machine learning, all these words, these buzzwords that everyone's super obsessed about. So I know we're sitting in a community of tech and innovation. And I want to say that we as Journey, we as uh, people who take care of people, we're always going to be very clear about where we're at in terms of in terms of AI and automation. In that I believe that now startups and even investors, everyone wants to hear that. They want to hear that it's just happening immediately. And what's really meaningful about what we do is we started with hospitality and trust because you're not going to trust a robot to plan your trip. And over the years, we've put in the elbow grease and we've actually personally planned people's trips from actual scratch, no tech involved, in order to gather the real data and the know-how and to know what's going on in the hearts and the minds of travelers. So the technology is commoditized, but what's not replicable and what's deeply unscalable is the human element and also the really, really rich data. So we're now at this really interesting turning point where, by the way, we're hiring up a world-class engineering team, people who really want to solve what I believe is one of those interesting, delicious, and challenging problems out there, which is the problem of travel planning and personalization. I'm so excited I ran out of breath. (laughs) So we're hiring this world-class engineering team, and we're, we're at that turning point where the data is getting really interesting with what we can do. And even in this moment, while we are on the path to automation, but still you're working with a human always and forever, even in this moment, we, we're unit profitable and we have been for a very long time. So it's about to get even more fun from here. That's terrific. And is there um, a way that somebody could get in touch with you or your team at Journey to, to be able to work with you or anything like that? So we are on all of the socials. I'm Leiti Su. That's L-E-I-T-I-H-S-U. Journey is at G-O-J-O-U-R-N-Y. And then also gojourney.com. And we're working on getting journey.com. Woo woo. <laughs> and we have a sister food media company called Word of Mouth. That's just Word of Mouth. That came out of my radio show I did for years, years ago. And if you'd like to be taken care of on a trip coming up, like drop me a line, like DM me, find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. And if you are a courageous human or company who wants to, to, to do things differently, definitely reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming and hanging out with us today. Yeah. Uh, for, for my co-host, Beth Chapman. Happy trails. Thank you. <laughs> co-host, John Matson. Bon voyage. This has been Travel is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at TravelIsYourBusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. 
Thank you for listening. 